Hello and welcome to You Files Your Taxes Your Way podcast. My name my, my name is Ida Celli. I'm your host for today and we're going to have uh, Jerry Viteratis uh, talk with us regarding our subject today which will be for students anything that's related to their taxes. So hi Jerry, how are you? Good Ida, how's everything? Everything's good. Uh, so we have a very a very good topic today. It's it's uh, really it's geared to all the students out there and how taxes affect them. Yeah. So what what are you know let's let's put it this way. What are the tax goodies that the government gives uh, if you're a student, right? That that's essentially what we're going to talk about today. Uh, so uh, so you know let's let's start. Let's, let's see. start let's... with uh, how about the tuition tax credit. Okay, so tuition tax credit is is the standard one, right? That's that's the basic mm -hmm. one. So that's a so that's a non-refundable tax credit, okay, that the government gives for the tuition fees you've actually paid during the year. Okay, uh, so by non-refundable, what we mean in this case as a non-refundable credit, what we mean is uh, the you cannot claim the excess credit that is above your federal tax, meaning that if you have more credits. Then, uh, then uh, tax to pay. Then the difference, unfortunately, cannot be claimed as a refund. That's why the government calls it non-refundable. However, the good news for tuition is, if you are in that scenario, which is quite common, let's let's not kid ourselves. You know, students who are uh, full-time students in uh, in in a post-secondary institution, uh, usually they're not going to be that taxable, or they're not going to pay that much tax on their return, regardless of whether they have tuition fee credit or not. Right. Uh, so for those individuals, they are likely to have an excess amount of tuition that they don't need to reduce their tax to zero. So what happens in that case is the excess amount can be banked, meaning that I can do what we call in tax circles a carry forward, okay, of the credit. But I have a choice, okay? If I've got more credit, meaning, you know, the actual tuition credit that I can claim, if I've got more credit than what I need to reduce my tax to zero, then I have two options presented in front of me. I can either bank it and carry forward to the following year, or I could take that excess amount and give it to my parents if my parents are helping me with my tuition. Now, this is a student's, this is up to the student to decide whether they are transferring this to their parents or whether they are carrying it forward uh, to a future year. Uh, now, you know, the tuition fees themselves are quite high. You know, they're getting, and they're getting higher as the years go by. But let's not get too enamored with the credit itself because the credit itself is not that high. Okay. The credit itself, the way it works is the amount that you could actually claim as a credit is your tuition fee multiplied by the non refundable tax credit rate, which is 15%, 1.5%, meaning that what you're actually claiming. Uh, as a credit to reduce your taxes is 15% of the tuition fees that you've actually paid. Now, what are these, tu which tuition fees are eligible in this case? Okay, well, the government considers eligible tuition fees, any fees that you paid to go to a school that the government considers as a post-secondary educational institution. It has to be recognized by the government as that. What that means, okay, in English in this case, okay, what that means is university, college, or a trade school, for example. Okay, that's what that that's what it means uh, to the CRA. Okay, you mentioned we're able, we're allowed to transfer a portion to our parents. Is there a maximum? Yes, very good question. Uh, very good question there, Ida. Uh, yes. So as I mentioned, you know, uh, if I've got more credit 
than tax that I have to pay, then the excess amount, I can either, as I mentioned, carry it forward. I can, I bank it in other words, and I carry it forward or I, or I transfer it to my, uh, to my parents. In this case, what happens is I'm capped at $5,000. And remember it's the excess I'm transferring. I can't choose to take the full tuition fees and transfer them over as a first step. I have to use them against my tax owing. And then if there's an excess amount, that's the amount that I could transfer to my parents. And that excess amount is capped at $5,000. Okay. What if the parents situation changed this year and, and the student had a carry forward, a, a decent carry forward last year. Can he use that for the $5,000 limit that he, they give to the parents? So uh, the answer, unfortunately, is no. Uh, the moment you've made the choice of carrying forward the credit, you can no longer transfer it back to your parents later on. Okay, so you really have to decide wisely. Okay, when you have these tuition fees, you you are either going to bank them and you keep them for yourself, and you reduce your tax owing in the future. Okay, in future tax returns, or in the year that you've incurred those expenses, you are going to transfer that excess amount to your parents. So. The simple answer there is the only amounts that you can you can transfer to your parents are the current year tuition fees. The moment they're carried forward and you made that decision too late, you can't go back at that point. Very good to know. So now let's move on to the Canada training credit. So that's a newbie. Okay, so the Canada training credit is a, is a new uh, is a new kid on the block. Okay, when it comes to uh, tax credits, it was introduced in 2020. Okay, and the Canada training credit is now it, the difference with the Canada training credit is there are a few differences, but the major difference is that the Canada training credit is a refundable tax credit. Unlike what I just explained before with the tuition tax credit, which is non-refundable. What does that mean? It means that if I've got more credit than tax owing, the excess amount now is right in my pocket. The government is going to give it to me in cash because it is a refundable credit in this case. So any excess credits I have above my federal tax becomes a refund in this case. So that's the good news when it comes to the Canada training credit. Now, how does it work? How's the Canada training credit work? Well, first, uh, you have to meet certain criteria. The first criteria is you have to have what they call a Canada training credit limit. So you have to start accumulating a Canada training credit limit. Now, how do you accumulate this limit? Okay, and it's a cumulative limit, by the way. So if you don't use it, it just accumulates up to a maximum amount of $5,000 lifetime. Okay. So how do you start accumulating it? It's very simple. First, you have to be 26 years old and over. That's number one. Number two, you have to have at the very least just about a little over $10,000 of what the government considers as earned income. Okay. Meaning that this is income that you worked for. This is a job or you were self-employed, for example, and you got, it. I think the only exception to that rule is that you are uh, maternity and paternity benefits are included in earned income. So the government will consider that. Okay. Well, we'll include that, but otherwise it is limited to that. You also have to be a resident throughout the taxation year. Now the limit, you start accumulating it based on the prior year, meaning that the moment you meet those conditions, in the previous year, you've just accumulated $250 for the following year. Okay. And the moment you meet the criteria that I just mentioned right now, which by the way, the detailed criteria is found uh, in the, in the blog article that we have on our website, which we'll post the link. We'll post the link to it uh, in the description of the podcast. Okay. The, the moment you've, you've met that criteria, you get $250 per year that accumulates, which means if you haven't used it yet, as of right now, you've got $500 worth of limit. If you've met that criteria. 
So okay. you don't have to actually be in school to be eligible for for that ceiling that you no. that you accumulate. Okay. You're absolutely right. Yeah, to to accumulate the limit, I don't need uh, to be in school. Okay, I don't need to. I don't need to actually be in a post-secondary educational institution. I don't need to be in a university, for example, uh, taking courses. Okay, but okay. to claim the credit, of course, I do need to, obviously. Okay. You know, but in the meantime, if I'm planning on going back to school, okay, but I'm not going to do it in two years. In the meantime, I'm accumulating a limit as long as I'm over 26, and I'm 26 and over, excuse me, uh, and I'm making earned income, meaning I'm working and I'm making more than $10,000 of earned income. Now. The year you go to school, okay, and you go to and you and you uh, uh, what's called that, uh, and you've got these tuition fees. Now the credit itself will be the lesser of half of your tuition fees for the year, or the limit, the Canada training credit limit you've accumulated up to that point, up to the up to the point when you're filing your return. Okay, it's going to be the lesser of the two, and that becomes a refundable credit on your return. And like I said, you're getting it cash. Okay. So in other words, even, let's say you're, you're not taxable at all. Let's say you're not paying any, any, any income tax at all, the, uh, any federal tax, the government will literally give you a refund of 250 or $500, depending on uh, how much limit you've accumulated up until that point. So really it's a, it's a nice credit that the government has added, especially, and you could see this targeted towards individuals that are, that are trying to get to go, you know, they're trying to better themselves essentially, you know, they're, they're going back to school because they want to improve their skill set. Okay, that's who it's really. Uh, it, that's what's really uh, targeted to. Okay. Uh, now, student loan interest credit. Yes. So, if you've taken out student loans, okay, to study, and the moment you start reimbursing that student loan, any interest that you have reimbursed, okay, with that student loan that you paid, that you paid, becomes eligible for a credit. Okay, very similar to tuition tax credit. It is a non-refundable tax credit in this case. So again, uh, any excess amount that you have, you bank and you can carry it forward for five years. Okay, when it comes to your student loan interest, so if you don't need it to reduce your federal tax to zero, uh, then you simply carry it forward to a future year and you can carry forward up to five years. Now, the credit rate itself is 15%, just like the tuition tax credit. So you basically take the interest that you reimbursed, that you paid during the year, in other words, and you take 15% of that, that becomes your student loan tax credit. Okay, so what about the loan repayment itself? Is that tax deductible? No, it is not. No, no, the, the loan itself is not because that would have been an amount you would have paid out of pocket anyways, right? That's the whole point. What is what is the excess amount you're paying is the interest because you borrowed off of that amount. So the principal of the loan, unfortunately, is not deductible. Nowhere on the tax return, essentially. I can't claim it as a deduction or a credit. The only thing I can claim is the interest that I paid on that loan during the year. Okay, and what about the students that uh, instead of traveling, uh, instead of traveling, sorry, instead of studying in their own province, they're attending a university in, in a different province. Um, you know, they have to move to get closer to the university. Are any of those expenses uh, deductible? They can be, okay? It's just like, you know, the cheesy joke I always say is that the answer to every tax question is it depends, right? Mm -hmm. That's always the answer in this case. 
uh, it can be under certain conditions. Okay. So first condition is you had to have gotten at least 40 kilometers closer to the university. Okay. Or the school that you're going to that that's an eligible post-secondary school uh, in order to study. That's number one. So the fact, so you moved, you moved and it brought you 40 kilometers, at least 40 kilometers closer to the school that you're going to. That's number one. However, to deduct uh, now, now, the, now the movie expense themselves, you could actually deduct is essentially all your costs of moving. So, you know, if you rent a truck to, to, to move, uh, to move your, your things, that's eligible. Any meals you take along the way during your trip between your, your home and the school, that's also eligible. Anything that is applicable under what we call moving expenses. Okay. You can deduct. So, like I said, you know, the cost of traveling, the cost of moving. Uh, and so on, you know, anything that, that relates to those costs are eligible as a moving expense. The catch is, though, that you could only claim it against scholarship or bursary income. OK, that's the that's the catch. OK, is that is that if you're moving purely uh, if, if, if your, your sole reason for moving is to go to school. Okay, even if you meet the 40 kilometers closer uh, provision, okay, you still need some sort of a, some sort of income, meaning that you have you could only apply those expenses again, you know, uh, rent, renting a truck, renting a mover, uh, paying for a mover. In other words, uh, any uh, any expenses that comes to the trip. So, for example, gasoline for your car, uh, meals uh, along the way uh, and so on. These are all eligible. These be all become deductible. It's a deduction on your tax return, meaning you're reducing your taxable income by the amount of those expenses. Okay. But again, you could only claim them if you've got scholarship income. Now, the government does offer a certain leeway. Okay. And I did some research on it, which I, which I, again, I, and I provide that info in uh, the blog article. The leeway is if you're moving and you're moving for a job at the same time, so in other words, you're going to school and you found work at the same time in that city where, you're, where the university is, then what you can do is you can apply the moving expenses against your employment income in that case, because moving expenses I can claim under two conditions. Either I'm moving because I found another job or because I'm going to another school. So, so if you found a job where you're going, okay, and, and then in that case, you could then just, you could make the justification that you're moving because of a job. And at that point, you could apply those uh, those uh, uh, those expenses against your employment income in that case, meaning that you can't claim more expenses than your employment income. You're capped at whatever employment income you made uh, when you moved. OK, uh, as of the moment that you moved till the end of the year. OK, that's essentially what the uh, what the government allows. But if your if your sole purpose was to study, and and you didn't get a job over there, then you need scholarship income and you can apply the expenses against and again, you're capped up until the amount of scholarship income that you made. Now we went over the expenses. Now let's take a quick look at the income uh, scholarships and bursary. So right in right in the topic, right? right? And it, it. Just, it just flows right into <laughs> it. So scholarship, uh, scholarship and bursary. So that is uh, uh, so that's an important uh, topic there because this is essentially free money that, that on the ta on the tax side that the government provides. Now, the scholarship could could come from anywhere, right? You could apply for any uh, scholarship uh, under whatever you know uh, department that you're studying in. The key point here for scholarship income is apply. Apply to anyone that you would be remotely eligible for. And the reason why I say that is 
uh, is because scholarship income, if you're a full-time student, is tax-exempt on your tax return. So you don't declare the income at all on your tax return. Okay, that's the good news. Okay, and now even if you're a part-time student, you can still claim a $500 deduction and expend and certain expenses like your textbook expenses against that income, even if you're not a, uh, a full-time student. But the government gives a huge leeway when it comes to scholarship income. The criteria to make the income exempt is simply you have to be a full-time student either this year, last year, or the following year. Okay, so for example, when you're filing your tax return in 2021, if you're a part-time student in 2021, but right now in 2022, you're a full-time student, that 2021 scholarship becomes exempt because you meet the three-year rule, which is either the previous year, the current year, or the following year. As long as you're a full-time student in any one of those years, that income is fully exempt. So the message I want to give to everybody is it's a no-brainer apply apply everywhere the worst you will get is a letter that says no the best you will get is free money literally you will not pay a cent of tax on that income if you're a full-time student okay but you still need to report it on your tax return right yes well again it won't show up on your tax return you you declare it so for example in a program like you file you would you would declare it and you would determine it at that point if you uh, if it's fully exempt or not okay you would actually determine that in that case okay uh so you would still plug it in you're, you're still going to get a slip from the uh, from, from the provider of the scholarship which is t4a bucks 105 but on the actual return you don't see it it's not included at all in in uh, in the uh, in the other income line, as we call it, which is line thirteen thousand. Okay, you won't see it at all in there. It is completely exempt. Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. All right. Uh, any anything else you'd like to add or remind the students? So I so so what I what I want to remind is again, you know. Uh, when it comes to scholarship income, I want to really stress that point. Free money, everybody. Free, free, free money. Okay, so so make sure you do it. The other thing, the other thing you have to be mindful of is to check your carry forwards. I can't stress this enough when it comes to students. A lot of students don't realize that they have all these carry forwards that are banked. Okay, so make sure that you're applying those carry forwards. Okay, where would they find them? So the so the tuition carry forwards you would find them in two places. Either you go to your My Account portal of the CRA, which is child's play to sign up for okay so my account is basically your web portal to the cra it's your whole tax uh profile with the cra and you get all your carry forwards there and all your notice of assessments uh, and including your tfsa room and limit people forget that that's the only place you can get your tfsa room and limit is the uh, my account cra portal okay so that's that's so that's uh, crucially important there Okay, and then from there, the other place they can find it is their notice of assessment. Okay, so once they get assessed by the government, uh, you get a letter which essentially indicates the confirmation of your return. Okay, so the government shows you what you declared and what they agree with or disagree with. Uh, if they agree with everything, then everything's fine. If they disagree with, you got a reassessment at that point. And on that one, you will see uh, you will see your uh, well, actually, two things. Actually, in this case, you will see first of all your uh, you will see first of all your uh, tuition fee uh, credit carry forward and your Canada training credit limit. You'll see that as well. Actually, uh, you'll see that as well. So include and in my account portal, you'll also see your Canada training credit limit as well. Because remember, you're accumulating this. Even if you're not using it, you're accumulating it. And and the day you decide to go back to school to improve your skill set, now you've got 
you know, a nice refundable tax credit waiting for you. Interesting. So I think this pretty much concludes uh, the podcast. I'd like to remind everybody that you can find our blogs on ufile.ca as well as a lot of other information. You can you can follow our podcast also there. There's a tax and you page where we give some tax tips as well as some YouTube videos that are available to you. So uh, any wise words, Jerry, before we sign off? No, just exactly what you mentioned. The article, what the topic of the article, uh, the podcast we're talking about today is in a blog article that we've written on the site. I'm gonna, we're going to post the link uh, in the description, whether you're listening to us uh, or whether you're watching this on YouTube, you're going to have all the information uh, there. Do not hesitate to go to our website. We have a bunch of information that you could, you, you uh, related to, uh, you know, taxes in general uh, that will help you be more efficient with your taxes. All right. So thank you very much, Jerry. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you.